Oh, here we go. <laughs> Practical questions, so yeah. be fruitful to multiply, and then multiply again. Why are Catholics not having as many kids? What can we do? What can we bring hope, the positive side? Helping, encouraging families to be more open to life, because I just did a talk on this, on contraception, and, right. and the, all the evils that have fell from that. Well, we need to get back to basics and be open to life, and having as many kids as God desires. You know, that is the $64,000 question, mm. Tony, because, mm. you know, I began the book I wrote called The First Society. I'll be speaking on it tonight here mm. at the Good News Cruise. But the thing I said at the beginning of the book is what I heard somebody else say right before I became a Catholic in the PhD program at Marquette. And Father Keefe, a genius theologian, legal mind, uh, said, we were, we were discussing in 1985 uh, the moral majority you know, uh, Reagan, we were discussing mm. the pro-life movement because for the first time, Protestants and Catholics were working alongside of each other. Mm. And we were debating whether religion has a role or not in the public square, or you just privatize the values and vote them, see, you know, mm. personally, personally, privately, you know. And, uh, and the debate was going on for 15 or 20 minutes. And then finally, we were, you know, we were sensing that he wanted to get back to the lecture, but before he did, he was just looking out the window we're like, what is it, a UFO of flying Sophia? <laughs> and then he turned to us, and like this brilliant old sage, he said, you know, if Catholics simply lived the grace of the sacrament of matrimony for one generation, mm -hmm. the result would be a transformed culture. I had that culture. slide of your quote in my slide. Yes, oh, on my slideshow. <laughs> I mean, to quote. me, it was like, <laughs> it's it was like electrical voltage yeah. going through me. I'm like, mm. that is like rhetorical overkill, mm. unless it's not. And it struck me like a laser beam. Yep. That is so precisely true. I wasn't even a Catholic yet, mm. but I had become convinced that marriage is more than a contract. It's a covenant, but it's a sacrament too. And so I remember talking to him afterwards. I remember talking to Kimberly afterwards. I'm like, we have a lot to rethink. And I think yeah. if Catholics could see the inner logic of, you know, why the church rules out, um, artificial birth control, mm. they would recognize that it's not biologic, it's the logic of love. Mm -hmm. That we have love in lots of different forms, lots of different kinds of relationships, but there's only one relationship designed by God, so that when you express this unique kind of love we call marital love, and the two become one, be open to the possibility of the, th you're gonna become one, and then you're gonna become three in one, because that mm -hmm. oneness will be embodied, you'll have to come up with a name like our firstborn, Michael, and you're going to see in becoming parents what love is in this unique covenant. It's like too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And then it's too hard to live out, you know? <laughs> but that's the whole point of the sacrament supplying right. the grace, you know? Right. And, and I think that if we just lived it and if we enjoyed it yeah. and we're honest, we're, we're, we're really honest, brutally honest with ourselves and saying, you know, the sacrament doesn't make it easy. Yeah. It's what makes it possible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's also what makes us saints in spite of ourselves, but because of the other, you know. So you take up your cross daily. Mm -hmm. Well, in our cases, you know, Kimberly's cross has a name, Scott, and <laughs> my <laughs> cross has a name. It's Kimberly, I've got a much smaller cross. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this so is just like to carry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the nuts and bolts. It really yeah. is the ABCs of being Catholic. I'm convinced of it. Yeah. So, you know, as we just spread this, I'm thinking that 
the culture is trying to get darkness to come in, mm. all we've got to do is just find the switches and turn on the lights, yes. and yeah. you know the light will dispel the darkness. Seems like that answer answers a lot of problems, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I mean all of the things that the truth teaches, all of the yeah. things that you find in Matthew 19, 1 to 12 from Jesus and Ephesians 5 mm. yes. from Paul. Mm. You know, if we just taught this stuff, yeah. I mean, it isn't like well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Right. You know, mm. but there are going <laughs> to be people that are going to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Yeah who grew up in really dysfunctional families who will realize, you know what, there's hope for me as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, my parents separated almost as soon as Kimberly and I got married and they were heading for divorce. And just in spite of them and because of God, we were able to kind of get my parents back together. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. One of my siblings is divorced, you know, and so we look around and you don't have to look far to see the problems. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then you look inside your heart and you're like, God wants to heal us more than he, we want him to. Mm. And I, it's like, okay. I think there's a simple question <clears throat> that if we just ask ourselves to your point, Tony, and all of what you're saying, it, we think about what uh, people in the society today, today commit to. Yeah. Out of anything, one thing. I can only think of like what hits my mind first, and, and that is themselves. Mm. Right. And sometimes they even neglect that. Most times they do. Mm. So, uh, and the other, maybe money mm -hmm. or their career, one thing that they might stick Which to. Which is themselves. Yes, yeah. and, and, and still not even sticking to a job for longer yeah. than five years. And so Maybe just commit to one thing, right? Your yeah. spouse, <laughs> at As least, you say that, your you vocation. Know, I met a guy I hadn't seen in years at a wedding we were at recently, and uh, he, you know, we got to the conversation. I think he has maybe one, two kids. And uh, he said he started later in life. He started having kids when he was 35, and he asked me how many I had, and I said five. And he just, his eyes got real big, and he was just like, that's awesome. And yeah. I didn't expect that from this guy. Yeah. You know, oh, and he yeah. said, I, that's one of my biggest regrets is I didn't start sooner mm -hmm. and that I would have had more. And he said that uh, he was just so afraid that he could never afford them. Mm. There was always this whole, it was the money thing. Yeah. You know, I, was no just like, I don't fear. think I could ever mm. afford it. So I just waited. And if you wait, you're never going to be able to afford it. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, there are can't solid them now. <laughs> There's solid grounds for being afraid, especially as men, of mm. how are wow. we going to feed these babies? Yeah. The kind yeah. of baby phobia that we don't even yeah. admit to ourselves. You yeah. know? On the other hand, if our faith was even 30% true, mm. you know, it's 100% true, but even <laughs> yeah. only a third of that, you know. The grace that is available is sufficient. You know, uh, we've had six kids. Now the first three have given us 23 grandkids, but all six wow. were through cesarean section. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so major surgery, major recovery, and I would mm -hmm. wait until she would say, I'm open. But, you know, you know, this brings me full circle because we covered six out of the seven principles of the Jeremiah option. But the seventh one, as you might expect, because of the significance of the number seven, is sort of <laughs> impractical, at least it sounds impractical, and that is pray for the peace of the city where you dwell. Mm. Don't just pray for your spouse and your kids, and now that they're married, for their spouses and their kids. Pray for the city, and pray for the people around you. It's this life of prayer, and the reason why it seems impractical is because you know, the Israelite exiles, you know, coming from Judea after 586 B.C., they'd be like, what do you mean pray? The temple is in ruins. Hmm. There are no feasts. There are no pilgrimages. There are no priests. There are no animals to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. There is no more prayer. And so what Jeremiah had to teach them was, if all you can do is just to light a Sabbath candle and then assemble in a makeshift synagogue, 
and have someone skilled as a teacher to remind you of the Torah and then to sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land. You know, Psalm 137 is not simply taunting the Israelites, you know, sing us one of the songs of Zion because the, the pagans knew the Psalms of David and they loved them. They were just naturally beautiful as well as supernaturally rich. And so if you don't have all the things you once had, you know, then do what you can with what you've been given. And to me, it's the life of prayer. It's the interior life. You know, I would agree with Joe 100%, 200%, that, you know, we make our, our, our spouse the priority. But for her sake, I have to make Christ my highest priority. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'll lean too hard on her and expect too much. Mm. But if she sees me leaning on the Lord, then she's going to be able to say to me, I'm ready to have a, a new baby. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm open to life because she's learning how to lead like she's teaching me how to lean upon our Lord mm -hmm. and to take him at his word, to beg him for more of the living water, the spirit, you know, I, I, you know he, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. He promises us that. And like my father-in-law says, we're just willing to settle for a little trickle. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we try yeah. to get by in a little trickle when he's like, no, torrents of living water. I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit more than you want me to. <laughs> you know? Yes. Going to but, that last point of praying for the city. Yeah. You know, I can see that being easier in a city where you don't know everybody. But in a rural area that we live in, where there's not, where you know everybody, yeah, some of the people are hard to pray for. <laughs> <laughs> You're picturing people. You know, yeah. but I will say it actually, we were having a conversation on the, on the way to the airport uh, last night. And uh, I think we got some things to talk about because mm -hmm. what you just mentioned uh, really does kind of allude to some of the things that we've been working towards uh, where God because is of leading, our apostolate right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. where God is yeah. leading us. Yeah. You know, it's We're leaving this to our kids. They're going to take over someday. <laughs> <laughs> it's symbolic that Franciscan University of Steubenville started off in '46 as a GI Bill school for veterans coming back and getting government funds to get a college education because mm. they missed out as you know as soldiers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it, it began to grow, and the Bishop of Steubenville, who came in '46 to start the diocese and the College of Steubenville, had a vision for it. You know, we actually live in the former bishop's house, and so we feel like wow. we have come to share that vision. It ends up moving to the highest hill in all of Steubenville, you know, and some people refer to it as the holy hill, you know, positively, others, you know, somewhat mm -hmm. pejoratively, huh. uh, because they're up there, they're not right. down here, you know. Yeah. And over the years, over the decades, I mean, Father Mike Scanlon was actually the one who led the march for civil rights, you know, with the blacks, and so this priest, you know, was able to really unite the whites and the blacks at the time of the riots back in the late 60s. And there's been a legacy that's been left behind. But, you know, the St. Paul Center, we made a decision not to build up on the hill, mm. but to build at the bottom of the hill, right where the town really begins. Right. And the, foot, the footprint that we want to leave there, that we want to make, is a statement that we really, as I was saying in the press conference yesterday, I want every single member of our town to feel free to come. I want to invite personally for you to come, and not just to see the beauty of the building, but to discover the power of the Word of God. Not just Catholics, but non-Catholics. You know, not just Protestants and independent non-denominational, but if you're just looking for meaning in life, please come. And if you're not looking, but you just want to mm -hmm. see the building, you know, you gotta uh -huh. come. When we first accepted the architect's plans, we found out from natives who had grown up in Steubenville, who were in their 70s and 80s, one guy said to me, you know, where you're building. I'm like, yeah, it's the green strip, as they call it, right, you know, right below the holy hill. He said, you know, when I was a kid, you know, back in the 30s and the 40s into the 50s, 
that was the city of Steubenville's garbage dump. Oh, goodness. He said, you drive by there, and it was not unusual to see smoke and maybe a flame, you know, because the garbage was still burning. Oh, my. And I'm thinking, man, if that doesn't double the symbolism, you know, yes, <laughs> where yes. God wants to do something where trash had been burned. You know? <laughs> oh, so, man, what a dump. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so excellent. it's an exciting option. You know, it, it's funny, though, because uh, 10 years ago, when, when we were really building ahead of steam, uh, our son decided to go off to Gregory the Great boarding school for high school. And so we were 26 years homeschooling, then we were done, and Kimberly's like, what am I gonna do? And I mm. said, you ought to pray about running for city council. And she ran and won in a landslide and finished up her second term last month. Wow. So for eight years, she was praying. We were planning miraculous medals all over the town. <laughs> <laughs> and praying. And, Strategic and, warfare. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And, and she did an amazing job. But it's one of those things where, you know, Steubenville, I grew up in Pittsburgh. The air, Pittsburgh airport's like 24 minutes from Steubenville. But it's like worlds apart. And most people look down on Pittsburgh, you know, <laughs> but Pittsburgh looks down on Steubenville. Mm. Could anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what, you know, we yeah. all about Steubenville. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like no matter where you are in Ohio, Texas, or somewhere between, you know, bloom where you're planted and yeah. recognize that these exilic conditions are sort of meant to remind us to long for home and to also mm. long for souls and mm. to expect to find them where you least expect them. That's yes. awesome. And we live out in the middle of nowhere, so yeah. it's great to hear that because in Texas, I'm from East Texas and, and Tony's from Denver, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Colorado. And, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. uh, what part? Aurora. Near oh, yeah. Aurora and Denver, yeah. Our Gabe yeah. lived near Aurora. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and Joe's a, he's, he's a farmer I've who's been there generational. And <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the vow of stability. <laughs> so, it's, it's brought our worlds together mm -hmm. and... Uh, and so we've, we've got hope for our town and our, in our diocese, which is a very young diocese, 50 years. Uh, so we're, this is great words of encouragement for sure. Because you can see the Lord work on what we're doing, yes, but then within our parish and then within our city and it just goes on because the Holy Spirit wants to do that. He doesn't it's, think small. Yeah. <laughs> he right. wants to do it, big things. And, yeah. and he wants to do, I think, surprising things. You yes. know, 2,000 years ago, I think the Pharisees would have voted unanimously that Saul was the least likely to convert. You know? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, and then 2,000 years later, I think all of my classmates in high school and college would have said the same thing about me. Because yeah. right. I wasn't just non-Catholic, I was vehemently anti-Catholic, mm -hmm. like, you know, Saul was vehemently anti-Christian. Yeah. But I think our Lord often surprises us in ways yeah. that, uh, I mean, Saul didn't change religions, ceasing to be a Jew, becoming, mm. you know, he believed in the Messiah, he just didn't think that Jesus had the qualifications, you know, mm. until he heard the voice and was blinded by the light. And I, and I just think that we've got to be faithful. And, you know, success, as Pope Benedict said, is not one of the names of God, mm -hmm. but blessing is. Mm -hmm. And so as we bless him in hard times, in good times or bad, you know, don't try to come up with the list of the expected God. These are my New Year's resolutions mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's ill-fated. Yes, but, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah.